Hi, my name is Tanisha Naik, and I'm the host of the C4C podcast, Code with the Flow. Today, we are going to be talking about the app development process and our hot takes on new technology emerging in the industry. We are joined today with our guest, Aryan. If you would like to introduce yourself and talk about what you do, Aryan, that would be awesome. Yeah, great. Thank you, Tanisha, for having me. So like Tanisha said, I'm Aryan. I'm the director of app development here at C4C. And a bit aside from that, outside from, you know, the C4C, I am currently a junior in high school, you know, just normal stuff. And aside from that, I'm doing some research on some IoT devices, some cyber physical systems and whatnot. And I'm excited to be here. Perfect. Thank you. Um, I'm just going to dive right into the questions. Uh, as the director of app development, can you talk a bit about what tasks you have to do? Um, what is your role in C4C? Right. So as the director of app development, I work with a bunch of different app developers, right? So since I'm the director of app development, most of my tasks are managerial tasks, which means, you know, filling in some forms that I need to getting in touch with some companies or, you know, different charities and nonprofits I need to get in touch with and, you know, helping out the devs when they need to be helped out. So most of it is just, you know, management management tasks and some portion of it if there's like a really heavy app or if there are some questions is generally diving into the app but yeah most of my tasks are just like talking with people networking and getting c4c some opportunities sounds good um as someone who doesn't have experience in app development what is the process like to create an app from start to finish and by that i mean getting an idea from a charity and all the way to publishing the app on the app store yeah, definitely. So, so C4C, again, is like a really tight-knit community, and there's like a bunch of, bunch of different people that go into the process. It's not just, you know, solely the app dev that does the app dev part. So what initially happens is that we have a form that companies can use to request an app when they need one. And this form usually goes out to one of our project managers, which is Remo in this case. Remo's an amazing guy, by the way. And he usually informs one of the directors of, uh, you know, whatever it may be, in this case, director of app development, which would be me, about an incoming app. So what we do then is we set up a meeting with the charity owners or the nonprofit organization and we talk through what they want. Once we have the intricacies down, we set a deadline for the app and we get talking to the devs and different app developers have different skills. Some, some are proficient in skills, uh, Swift, some are proficient in Java and much like that, right? So what we have to do is like, we have to talk to the developers and pick the developers that are right for this task and get cracking on the app. And I know it sounds like really oversimplified, but there's a lot that goes into this process because most of the apps don't really make it past the financial process. There's a lot of simple intricacies that go into actually developing an app. To begin with, uh, you know, cost. Most companies or most charities, when we talk about them, the developer license or like, you know, like some kind of license they need to publish your app on the app store and make it available to other people, they usually are a little hesitant about, you know, going through with the app in the first place. But once we have the finances sorted out and, you know, the developers sorted out, we get crapping on the development of the app itself, which depending on, you know, the type of app it is, is written in different languages. It could be, you know, a group of multiple different languages like Java, and then we use some Kotlin, some Swift, and, you know, just depends on the app. Once that's all done, we package the app and we publish it for the company and the app developers and then hand off our developer license. Okay, so... You talked a little about like programming languages. What programming languages would you need to know to start developing? Well, see, that's a really, really broad question in the sense that 
you know, it depends on what you want to do, right? So if you want to work with some web frameworks or web apps, you would probably want to go with something like Java or Flask or Django, right? Something that's backend, something that's server side. But most of the apps that come in for C4C are usually iOS-based apps because most commonly North America, these charities are mostly based in North America, but there are some global charities. And given that there, you know, there's a large iOS and Apple user base here. So what the charities usually want is an iOS deployment, which is usually written in Swift for our purposes. So Swift would be the way to go if you're looking at, you know, iOS apps. Otherwise, you know, there's different languages. Like if you're developing desktop apps, uh, apps maybe Go language or, you know, Java or C really depends on what you want to do. Okay. Um, I'm going to ask, what's your favorite programming language? <laughs> well, I initially started off with Python. Um, so I've always stuck with Python and I actually like doing a lot of software work, uh, software based work as well. So working with softwares and Arduinos. So I equally like C as well. So it's, it's always a little bit of a rift between Python and C. <laughs> that sounds great. Um, what did you, uh, what, what resources did you use to get into Python and some programming languages? Well, initially none. Uh, so this, this is where it kind of gets interesting that I've never taken a single course in order to learn Python. Uh, all of the learning I did with Python was curiosity based and it was project learning. So what happened was like grade eight, I randomly just looked at some code. I found this website called Replin. I'm like, okay, this is cool. And the first thing, the first REPL I made was a Python. So I started messing around. I started looking up stuff like, how, how do I do this? Or how do I print a statement? Or, okay, what if I want to take input? Because I've seen people take input. And that's how I learned it. I never took a formal course. I never, you know, saw or like a YouTube video or did a four hour long YouTube course. So what I personally suggest, what really helped me was thinking of a project. Think of something you want to build, right? Think of something you want to do and figure out how to do it with language. The documentation helps, there's tutorials. And I think a lot of it comes down to like what you Google, right? So let's say you want to build a calculator. Don't search up how to build a calculator with Python. Search up how to take input with Python and then put different, different, the different pieces together. And over the years, you're going to end up accumulating the information you need to you know, actually be a bit fluent in the language. That's actually really encouraging because there's so many courses that are like really expensive for programming languages when you don't really need that to start off and uh, get insight on that language. So that's really interesting. Um, I saw on Definitely. your LinkedIn and YouTube, you are passionate about Internet of Things, IoT. Can you talk to us about that? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I can talk to you forever about that. Uh, that's one of my major interests outside of, you know, just general app development. Uh, what IoT is, well, let me take you back a bit. Initially, my interest peaked in cybersecurity as opposed to IoT in general, right? So somewhere near August, I read some article about some, you know, some cyber hacking from Cali and whatnot, right? So what I did, what I did in that sense was I just got into it. I, I just like downloaded Cali Linux and I started cybersecurity. But as soon as I started doing that, as soon as I started reading more about cyber, I realized that we're making all of this data. There's all of this data creation that's going on. There's a lot of this algorithm creation that's going on, you know, new websites, new startups are starting up. And, you know, there's like a lot of people that are creating a lot of data. And then I'm like, okay, but who's securing this data? And I looked a bit deeper and I'm pretty sure all of us have heard about, you know, smart devices or smart technologies. And that's essentially what IoT is. IoT or Internet of Things is essentially just, you know, 
any device that's connected to the internet that has internet connectivity can be considered an IoT device. This could be something as basic as like a temperature sensor, a thermostat, your smartwatch is an IoT device, right? So all of these devices are an IoT device. And I looked a bit further into IoT devices, and these actually have a large use application in industrial areas, in petroleum refineries, and like, you know, nuclear plants. So what happens in this sense is that IoT devices or IoT sensors are being used and connected to the internet to help with better accessibility, right? Because normally you'd have manual sensors, you'd have to go take readings for all of them. But what you can do now with IoT devices is you can get all those temperature sensors to read, take readings and broadcast that information to a central cloud server or whatnot. And the part of IoT I'm focused in is IoT security. How do we secure these deployments? Because IoT devices are generally meant to be really small and you know they lack processing power and memory that is required to run secure algorithms or stronger algorithms in order to fully encrypt and protect their data or protect their broadcast. So this IoT devices, these IoT devices can have like really sensitive use cases, like I said, petroleum refineries. So if you have a wrong reading, you can literally cause an explosion and that's where it costs lives. And that got me like really passionate, passionate about it because I saw this problem. I saw this problem with these new smart devices, which I feel like needed to be tackled. And I just kind of took my shot at it. That's really interesting. Um, how did you gather experience with uh, IoT and cybersecurity? Like, how did you first start getting into that type of uh, field? Uh, to be curious, like to be completely like honest, uh, it was literally just curiosity. Uh, again, like cybersecurity mainly happened in like this summer in August where I was going through YouTube and I got a YouTube recommendation about this guy hacking into his camera. And I'm like, that's really sick. I want to do that. And I kind of just did that. So once I started uh, developing more information, more and more knowledge, I realized that IoT security or IoT device security in general is a major problem that is you know, being faced and being is not being is not really being as focused on in the industry at the moment. So I started reading articles, I started, you know, watching YouTube videos, I started talking to people, I think the biggest, the biggest factor in developing my knowledge about IoT would be talking to people and actually doing projects. So get your hands dirty, talk to people in the industry, because outside the industry, it all looks like really clean, it all looks like, like, you feel like you have a really deep understanding, but you can't really have that understanding about the topic or whatnot, unless you're actually talking to people within. So I think the best way to gather experience is, again, project based learning, read a bunch of articles, look what a problem is, and understand how you can first create a problem, right? Because I know that sounds counterintuitive, but think about what causes the problem in the first place, try doing that, and then try working your way backwards in order to solving it. And that gives you twice the experience because you know how to do one thing and then you know how to solve any problem with it. I think that would be the biggest factor with me going into IoT and developing knowledge about it. I completely agree um, with the project-based learning part. Uh, since I'm the director of design, a lot of uh, my volunteers, they even come to me and they're like, how do I start uh, like experimenting with UI and UX? And how do I actually start creating wireframing and like designing things? And I'm just like, you have to just get on a project and do it. There's only one way to go about it instead of like actually like trying to get courses if you just it's the best thing to make just a figma account. <laughs> yeah right? um, cool make a figma account yeah <laughs> what okay i'm gonna backtrack a little and i'm gonna yeah. talk about c4c mm -hmm. what was your reasoning behind applying for coding for community and how did you become 
director of our app development program? Uh, yeah, so I have a friend um, named Sonia. Uh, I went to middle school with her and I'm pretty sure she's on the design team as well. So what happened was that I initially saw this post about coding for community on her story and it was summer of quarantine. So I'm like, this seems interesting. I want to do it. And I initially only applied to be a developer, just be like one of the devs on the app dev team. But soon after I had Madhu, who's basically the founder of C4C, reach out to me and say, hey, your, you know, your profile is actually kind of impressive and I would like to offer you a director role. And, you know, it was, it was yeah, Ian, Ian just said it was because he sent my application to her. So thank you. Thank you, Ian. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's how it happened. I initially just applied to be a developer, be one of the devs, but she like responded back and she's like, okay, this is interesting. So she's like, hey, are you like available for an interview? I'm like, yeah, I'm available for an interview. And she checked me out. And after the in interview was over, she's like, hey, I don't want you in a dev role. Is it like, would you be interested in taking on the role of the director of app development? And I was like, crap, okay. Uh, yeah, definitely. And I said, yes, and I was on board. I was in C4C. Nice. We, I actually remember this quite well. Um, we were talking about it in the Discord chat. We were like, oh my God, he's so experienced. Like, it's amazing. Like, you're so young and you have so many like, credentials like that. It's crazy. Um, mm. All right. So, Aryan, what's your best tip or of advice for a beginner with no experience and intimidated by the learning process involved with computer science and coding? Don't learn coding for the sake of coding. I think that would be my biggest tip. Don't learn coding because it's coding. Don't learn coding because, you know, it's cool. Yeah, coding is cool, but understand that you won't actually start doing the code. You won't actually bring, be able to bring yourself in order to do the code unless you're like personally curious and you personally want to do it. So don't do coding. Don't get into coding for the sake of getting into coding, right? Be interested, be curious, make sure you understand what you want, make sure you have something in mind. It's like, hey, like, what, what does this do? Or what does the print function do? Okay, but now I know print, and now I know how to take input, like, what can I put together, right? So have a sort of, like, some sort of goal in mind, but also don't have a goal in mind. I think I've been counterintuitive here, but what I'm trying to get at is don't learn coding because you want to do a specific thing because you're just going to end up limiting yourself to it. Learn coding because you're curious. And I feel like you'll learn like 10 times better if you do it out of curiosity, as opposed to like, you know, doing it for the sake of something or doing it just because it's coding. I completely agree with you. A lot of people I know want to join or do like coding because they feel like there is a need today, like in society to learn <laughs> how to code and, they're kind of forced into it instead of like being curious and trying to learn how to code themselves. So yeah. And I think that has like a big impact generally as well. Right. Because, you know, these, they, people, I know a lot of people that go into coding because they think it's like big money or, you know, it's going to end up working out for them. And they're like, they're set. I, I feel like there isn't a lack of just like general coders. There's a lack of curious coders who can build upon what we already have and take it forward. Yeah, I completely agree with you. A lot of um, girls, especially I know, that they feel like they need to learn how to code because 
I feel like society has this perception that if you're coding and if you're a girl, it's like a remarkable thing. But if you don't have interest in it yourself, then there's people regret it a lot. Yeah, yeah. Coding can be really intimidating, especially if you're not wanting to learn because a lot of computer science is that you you have to make the effort. It's not like, you know, computer science isn't really a subject that's really been taught in schools. Like math is, math is something you're taught from an elementary age and people still hate it, right? It's like imposing math on someone who doesn't want to do math. But if you're curious about math, you're actually gonna enjoy math, right? So it's the same thing with coding, I think. Yeah, definitely. Um, what are some other projects that you have been working on and interested in? So outside of C4C, again, I'm big on like, you know, IoT and, you know, just general IoT security. So I've been working on a lot of projects with that. I recently uh, reverse engineered the firmware to a smart camera and got into it. So that, that, that's like some cool so- small stuff that I was doing with hacking. Uh, I recently also got onto Hackbox and I hacked the Linux server, got into a Linux machine, which was also fun. And yeah, my current projects are working on, I'm pushing out a series of articles based around securing cyber physical systems. And I have an idea in mind, which I'm hoping to turn into a startup someday. Oh, that's really cool. Can you talk about that a little bit? Or is it still in the works? Idea? Idea is still in the works, but it implements or includes emerging two different uh, large technologies, emerging technologies into one in order to secure cyber physical systems, which is all our will at the moment. <laughs> okay, perfect. Um, so I'm just gonna ask you, we have a lot of guests uh, for our episodes and we love to ask about their hot takes on the tech industry. So do you have any hot takes on the tech industry? You would it's like booming. to share? It's, it's been booming and it's gonna stay booming. This is one industry that will be at the forefront of all change. This is one industry that will not change, but will only grow because tech is currently used everywhere. It's used in automation. It's used in medicine. It's used everywhere. It's like brain control interfaces are being introduced. IoT devices are being introduced, right? Different medicine or medical techniques that use tech are being introduced. So, you know, you know how people fear that AI is going to take over? Tech is what yeah. creates AI. People need, people need to make AI. You need tech to make AI and then you need tech to manage that AI. So I think a lot of the jobs are in the near future gonna be coding enforced and coding, being able to code is gonna end up being table stakes soon enough for any job. Yeah, I definitely agree with you. It's so um, normalized, even with like the pandemic, uh, mm-hmm. we're so reliant on technology now that it's just going to go up from there. Exactly. Uh, you know, that's, you know, what they say, like, I am a part of this organization called the Knowledge Society. And one of the things they say is that, you know, if you're not with the change, you're against the change. And I don't think you want to be against the tech change, because the tech change is going to be huge. Yeah, definitely <laughs> agree with you. So that brings us to the end of today's episode. Thank you so much for spending your time speaking with us about app development. I truly learned a lot about the field and I'm sure it would help some of our viewers. If you have uh, any social media you wanna promote, you can do so. 
Well, yeah, I'm actually currently working on some stuff. I'm working on pushing out securing cyber physical system series and a bunch of different articles. So again, I'm pretty sure Tanisha already has my LinkedIn and I can link in my medium for you guys if you'd like. Yeah, sounds great. Um, if you guys want to join our team, check out team applications at codingforcommunity.com under volunteer tab and check us out on Instagram, Coding for Community. That's all. Thank you so much. Of course, always.